So friends, good morning. Welcome as we begin a new four-week worship series this Sunday called I've Been Meaning to Ask. Um, I've been meaning to ask. So this past week, I had a little glimmer of what our family's life was used to be like um, as our youngest son went on a play date this week. Now, I don't think my slides are up yet, so let me just pause and see if we need to press a button to get them connected. Maybe I just press play, Pat? I hit play, yeah. Okay. So maybe we can see, we can see it now. So I've been meaning to ask, um, is the name of our series. Ah, we have video, or we have slides, yay. Okay, thank you, Pat. So yes, this past week, I had a little glimmer of what our life used to be like as our youngest son went on a play date at a friend's house. And it was the first play date he had in a long time. Um, and he and his friend, they're in the same bubble in the Montessori uh, school that they're in. So it felt like if they're already sharing germs <laughs> at school, they might as well go outside and play in a pool together and share some germs outside after school. So um, he, he went to his friend's house and I went to go pick him up. And um, as I went to pick him up, uh, I realized that I kind of forgot how to meet new people. <laughs> I picked him up and apparently, you know, I'm talking to neighbors over this time of COVID, you know, I'm talking to people in the grocery store, but in a social setting, when do we ever go to a new person's house and meet people? Like I haven't done that in a really long time. So I get there and I'm just a, a thrown off by a couple of things. The, 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 the parent is much younger than I thought he'd be. He's a successful executive and I thought he'd be much older and he's like younger than I am. And before I knew it, I was just so nervous. I was just babbling. Uh, they had a cat and I was talking about my aunt who's an archeologist who has a, the same name of their cat. Oh my goodness, it was like a shipwreck of a conversation. I was so glad when I could just grab Andre and leave to go to the car because it was just, you know, not, not going well. So I, I get to the car and I'm thinking, wow, I've forgotten, I've forgotten how to meet people. And then I get a text. I get a text from the dad who's like, I'm so sorry it was so loud and chaotic in our house. And, you know, uh, yeah, we just, <laughs> apparently everyone's forgetting how to meet new people. I wasn't the only one. I was like, yay, <laughs> you forgot too. So here, as, as we are in this shipwreck of normal, you know, a couple weeks ago, I oriented us, um, the pastor team really has been feeling that we are in this time of shipwreck um, all around us. Just the shipwreck of normal as the, the things we've, we've taken for granted to be as part of our lives, the ways we gather, the ways we go to school, um, the way we travel, all these things are different now. Normal has been shipwrecked. Um, and a couple weeks ago, we looked at the story of Paul in, in, in Acts chapter 27 and 28, and we looked at his shipwreck moment and how his voyage with God and with others moving in God's healing mission continued, even when the vessel, his ship, broke apart. So as you and I, as we are in this shipwreck moment, as we wash up on the shore and as we wring water from our clothes and light a fire to keep warm and find fresh water and tend to those who are injured, you and I, we are invited to regroup. We're invited to check in with other people on the shore to meet new, new people for the first time as we, as we check in with people, see how they are. And so hopefully, if you've forgotten how to meet new people, like I have, 
Hopefully this series I've been meaning to ask will remind us how to start and how to stay in good conversations, how to have them be connecting points for a deeper formation in discipleship as we convey warmth and curiosity and consideration. I've been thinking about you and I want to check in. You've been on my mind. I'm not really sure always how to start a conversation, so I'm beginning with a question. Each week, our series is going to highlight a new question. What's your story? Where does it hurt? What do you need? Where do we go from here? These aren't surface level questions. Um, they invite us to share our pain and seek ways to care for our world right now. So today's passage um, gets us going in this. Um, it's a question that invites us to share our story, to ask the question, what's your story? And it's, um, before, we, before I pull up the text, it's from Exodus 2.15, if you want to read along in your Bible or on your Bible app. But um, I just want to let you know, it's, it's, a, it's a descriptive passage. There's no imperatives in the text. It doesn't say, you know, do this or do that. It's not a teaching passage. It's just a passage describing a story. And the Bible is full of these stories. In fact, sometimes scriptures like descriptive passages are pretty brutal, right? Describing some pretty terrible things, implicitly telling us not to do them. So this isn't a terrible story. It's, it's, it's actually a fascinating story, one that is full of pain and promise as well as possibility. So let's pick it up right smack dab in the middle of the story. Exodus 2.15. I should have it up on my slide right now. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we invite each other into growing to community by number one in your notes, sharing our ongoing stories. Sharing our ongoing stories. Now, as we read this verse, right, right in the middle of Moses' story, you, even without reading the whole chapter, it's pretty clear there's been a shipwreck of some sorts, right? This man, Moses, he's, he's on the run from the most powerful political leader of his day. Clearly, something has gone wrong. Um, he, he's not safe, you know, he's, he's in a dangerous situation. And he has to leave in a hurry, and he runs all the way until he gets to the desert of Midian, where he thinks he might be far enough to be safe. And he finds a well and rests beside it. So we see him here in the middle of his story. The camera zooms in as he sits by this well. Now, friends, in Scripture, wells are often places of meeting and of community. They're places of growing family. Hagar, when she's running from an abusive situation, she finds comfort and shelter from God's own self at a spring that later becomes a well. Rebecca meets a stranger at a well who invites her into growing community and family. Jacob, he's on the run from his estranged, furious brother, and he finds rest beside a well where he also finds a long-lost relative. In the New Testament, we see the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, inviting her. She, she's from a related yet estranged people group. He invites her into her true identity and calling, into healthier community with God and with her neighbors. You see, in a world without running water, wells are necessary for life. In a world without running water, without um, hoses without faucets. In a world without um, 
world without a lot of rain. Wells are essential. They're meeting places. They're places, um, they're hubs of connection, places where stories can be shared and new families can be created and communities can be revitalized. And you and I, we also find ourselves right at this moment in time by a well, here at Wellspring. There have been many twists and turns of our stories that have brought us here. We arrive with our stories unfinished, just right smack dab in the middle of them with all the threads still hanging out. Like, if you were to take a moment to think about what first brought you to Wellspring, it was probably in the middle of a story. You might have been in the middle even of a shipwreck moment, maybe a crisis of community, of faith. It might have been amidst a job change or a move. Maybe you're facing the loss of a community you had been a part of that you could no longer see a future with. Maybe you came to Wellspring because of curiosity. Maybe because of dissatisfaction with your life, you wanted more. Maybe it was in the middle of a health scare. Oh, Pat's talking to me. Ooh, want me to go to my... Hi, friends, we have an audio problem. I'm going to go to my laptop. Sounds good. Everybody grab a drink of water, of coffee, or of tea, whatever you want. I'm going to try something else now. Ooh, real life. Real life. Okay, just use your laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, fun times. So we're talking about wells, right? We're talking about meeting to each other here at Wellspring. We're talking about wells in scripture and how they signify places of connection and community, of growing deeper with each other. There are places where people meet and there are marriages. Oh my goodness, there's so many wonderful threads in scripture that have to do with wells. And here you and I find ourselves in the middle of our stories, stories which can be chaotic and messy and impacted by COVID. I mean, look at us. We're in the middle of worship service together and we're just figuring it out. That's okay. We are in the middle of our stories. God has brought us here. We are here just as Moses in the middle of a shipwreck found himself sitting by a well. You and I are here at a well. And here, as we sit and rest, you know, as we take stock from the shipwrecks we've been a part of, it's time to share stories at this place of connection and of meeting. Now, maybe you've been here for a while. You might think, you know, I've been at Wellspring for so many years. You know, my story is done. I just want to remind you that Moses, he's, he's middle-aged in, in our text for today. He's about 40 years old. But he's got 40 more years to go before he's ready for the next part of his story. And another 40 years after that, before he's ready to live into the next part of his call. So unless you're 120 years old, let me tell you and encourage you, friends, you have more of your story to share. You have more stories to hear and to draw out of the well of others as you and I move into deeper community, further into the mission of God for us, the healing water of God's good news for us and for the world. And it all starts by a well where we grow community. You and I, if we are to be God's ways of healing in our challenging time, we need to have deep wells that we've drawn from. Wells of, yes, community, wells of identity and belonging, good theology, rich storytelling, listening and sharing as we say, hey, I've been meaning to ask, what's your story? This isn't just about us being nice, right? This isn't just about being like a nice Christian. This actually has to do with God's mission to renew and transform our entire world, starting with us, our community. 
So now if we were to take a moment and go back to our text for the day, I think there's a way I can share my screen for us. Um, here we go. At, so we have Moses, right? He's, he's by a well. He's there with his, um, he's there and he meets um, Zipporah and her six sister um, shepherdesses. Can you say that fast? Six sister shepherdesses? <laughs> I can't say that fast. He meets Zipporah and her six sisters and they're all daughters of this man called Ruel, who is a priest of Midian. They meet him at a time um, of conflict. There, there's this, this whole skirmish going on involving water, right, and scarcity. And so they're at the well, there's a skirmish. And um, so Moses actually goes and he makes sure that these women aren't being harassed, that they can water their sheep. And I have to say that Moses, he, he's really good in rescue mo rescuer mode, right? Like he just automatically seems to go right into rescuer mode. We actually see that earlier in the chapter. The reason why he's on the run from Pharaoh is because one day he saw an Egyptian overseer who was beating one of his fellow kinspeople, a, a Hebrew slave. And so he kills the Egyptian who's beating the man, you know, buries him in the sand, thinks nobody's seen it. And the next day he goes out again. Um, and he tries to stop an argument, once again, he's in rescuer mode, between two Hebrew men who are fighting. And one of them doesn't appreciate the intrusion. And he says this in verse, um, in verse 14. Here we go. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? <laughs> then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Yes, Moses, it did. That's when he's on the run. See, Moses, he seems kind of stuck in rescuer mode, which is ironic because this is actually part of his core identity and his call. We'll get to that in a minute. But he's stuck in rescuer mode without the deep transformation that comes from being part of a growing community. So far for his efforts, all he's gotten for his rescuing is, is banishment and heartbreak. And here in our text for the day, after he once again plays the hero, he doesn't even get a dinner invitation. <laughs> if you go and read the text, you know, he, he rescues these, these women from being harassed at the well. And then um, they go back home and they tell their dad, because he's like, why are you home so early? You know, usually have these skirmishes. And they, they tell dad, oh, yeah, we met this man. You know, he, he helped us. <laughs> and their dad's like, just invite him for dinner. Where is he? So poor Moses, he doesn't even get a dinner invitation for all his efforts. They have to go back and get him. And he becomes their guest, right? And then soon he becomes part of their family. So the reflection question I have for us right now is just um, as you and I sit here out of the shipwrecks of our lives or of our community, is who is at the well beside me I can invite into growing community? Who can I turn to and say, I've been meaning to ask, what's your story? If you want to just jot down a couple notes, you can come back to them later in the week. Who is at the well beside me? Now, this next month, we're going to be actually offering a four-week way to connect with new friends and faces at the well here at Wellspring with friends um, who have been here for a while and those of you who are a little newer to our community. We're going to be calling it 4 by 40 um, because it involves four conversations over a period of four weeks, you have one conversation a week for a total of four conversations. And each conversation is 40 minutes long, roughly 40 minutes long. You can meet on Zoom and I think it's free for the first 40 minutes, right? You don't need to have a paid Zoom account. So four by 40, you'll be meeting four times if you decide to opt in for a total of 40 minutes. And each week, there's just a very simple theme for those of you who are gathered. And it's going to be very small groups. 
maybe just, you know, one couple of those of you who have been here for a while and a, a new couple or one of you who've been here for a while and one of you who's new. So just two people, maybe four people. And each week there's a theme. The first week's theme is hello. <laughs> you don't have to listen to Adele while you meet. Uh, first week is hello and you'll just be asking each other informally questions like, hmm, what brought you here? How did, how did you meet? Where's home for you? And four by 40 is just a very simple way of you and I sharing our ongoing stories because we have ongoing stories that we are called to share. It's a way of, of us um, drawing out from the wells of each other's souls. And actually, we have a couple people who've signed up to, um, as part of our friends who've been here for a while. Um, but if you decided you're, you're a newer friend of Wellspring and wanted opt-in, you can meet with um, some of these wonderful people. We have Gordon and Cheryl Uwechi. We see them with their little grandkids who would not be part of 4x40, sadly enough. And we have David and Julie Tanyama. Um, and these, these friends have been here for a while, and they'd love to hear your stories and share a little bit more about theirs. So yeah, next week, um, next month, sorry, starting in October, we'll be doing 4 by 40 If you would like to be part of one of these conversations, a total of four conversations, 40 minutes each, um, go ahead and send us a message in the chat section or feel free to email us um, so we can pair you um, if you're newer at Wellspring with someone who's been here a little while. And if you've been here a little while and you, you would like to be part of this, go ahead and let us know so we can get you connected. So here, friends, in our text for the day, um, in our, in our text for the day, um, wells were a place of refreshment and possibility. Even though something was broken in their little community there by the well, right, there's this ongoing conflict. There was possibilities, there were new connections that could be made, new community to be forged, families to be created, lives to be formed. Moses, after he goes with them for dinner, he later marries into the family. He marries Zipporah. There is a new community created. In this pandemic time when so much seems to be broken, right? We don't have like a natural talk story time after church over poo-poo potluck with their plates loaded and we can kind of go sit with each other. We can still grow deeper in connection in other ways so that we can grow further, go further in mission together later on. So yeah, if you, if you want to know more about 4 by 40 go ahead and um, ask us your questions. We'd love to sign you up. And a reflection question I have for you just as we continue into our text is this. Um, here we go. As I reflect on this present moment in the ongoing story of my life, what are some things I'd like to share with others when the time is right? This is a way of getting at our ongoing story. Because <laughs> right now, we are smack dab in the middle of ours. So as I reflect on this present moment, what would I like to share with others? As we sit by the well, let's just take a moment. Go ahead and jot a few notes down so you can pick up those threads later in the week. So here at The Well, friends, we invite each other into growing community by, once again in your notes, um, here we go, by sharing our ongoing stories. And also number two in your notes, paying attention to origin stories. 
See that? We share our ongoing stories and we pay attention to origin stories. Um, now, Zipporah and her friends, right, they're introduced to Moses at the well right in the middle of his story, right? But if you were to zoom out and read the whole chapter of Exodus 2, which I highly recommend you reading this week, it's a wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture. If you zoom out and read the whole chapter, you'd see that this is actually an origin story. Exodus chapter 2 is Moses's origin story. It gives us the why and the how and the who. Um, for, for Moses's life and work and for the rest of the book of Exodus and beyond, right? The rest of the book of Exodus describes how God moves to advocate for the minority Hebrew people against their oppressors working through Moses. This chapter tells us Moses's origin story. It is a story of pain. It's a story of possibility as well as promise because who Moses is had been foretold 400 years earlier by his ancestor Joseph who foresaw a day that they would need to be delivered out of Egypt. Now, just like origin stories for superheroes, um, they tell us how they, they, they became the superhero that they are, right? Um, so whether it's getting bit by a radioactive spider, um, uh, like Spider-Man, or maybe getting exposed to rays of a gamma bomb uh, by, I think that's the Hulk, or claiming the mantle of Black Panther and the throne after the death of his father, or becoming an orphaned billionaire, and that becomes your why for, um, for Batman. Right? Everyone has an origin story, and oftentimes our origin stories are places of pain. Right? There's, there's sadness there. There are also places of possibility. There's so much potential in, in the stories that have that shaped our lives. Like for modern superheroes, I just have to give a modern superhero. I think of I think of Mohandas, we haven't called him Mahatma Gandhi. I think of him, right? He he when I think of him, I think of his work for peace and his work for independence of his people. But sometimes I forget that he has an origin story too. He has a backstory, right? He, he was a young man, went to school in London. He was trained as a lawyer and he worked for 20 years in South Africa as an immigrant and just increasingly appalled at the discrimination he was experiencing and beginning to develop his concept of truth and firmness, right? Of peaceful resistance before he finally went back home to India where he led his people in peaceful resistance against their colonizers. So he has his own backstory too, his own origin story. And just going back to our text for today, when, um, when Moses was meeting with Zipporah and her sisters at the well, he doesn't share his origin story. In fact, um, he doesn't say anything about it at all. And sometimes you and I, when we meet people, it actually takes a while for our origin stories to surface, right? It's not something we share with people the first time we meet them. In fact, Zipporah and her sisters, when they go home to, you know, to tell dad they met someone, they, they say that he's an Egyptian, right? They made some assumptions about him that weren't quite accurate, especially as this chapter, when you read it, because I encourage you to read it this week, over and over again, it says that the Hebrew people are his kinfolk, his kin, his kinfolk. So here they walk away from a very short conversation. They don't know the origin story. It hasn't emerged yet. They still think he's an Egyptian. And it just reminds me that our origin stories take a while to surface. But when they do, let's pay attention to them, not just to our own, because sometimes we actually need to unearth our own stories, the stories of our families and our grandparents that help explain some things in our lives, but also the origin stories of others. 
I just have to say, sometimes we, we get at origin stories by asking questions like, where are you from? And questions like that can be, you know, sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they can be a little complicated, um, which is why I prefer, you know, oh, tell me a little bit about your story. I prefer that question over where are you from? Because where are you from, for many people, can be highly confusing. I mean, for me, I, I was born in Michigan, and then when I was a, a toddler, like practically a baby, my parents moved to the jungles of the Philippines. And then we lived there for a while and then moved to the city, and then I didn't come back to the U.S. until I was a young adult in college. So am I from the U.S.? Am I from Michigan, where I was born? Am I from the Philippines? Where am I from? So it's, it's confusing for me, but can you imagine if they had asked Moses at the well where he was from? Well, I'm from Egypt, but I'm not Egyptian. Yeah, I, I'm Hebrew, but no, I, I'm not a slave. Actually, I was raised by Pharaoh's family. Yeah, yeah, the ones that enslaved the Hebrew people. Yeah, I was raised by them. Yes, yes, Pharaoh, he's the one who tried to have all the, all the baby boys killed by throwing them in the river. Actually, yes, I, w I was actually thrown in a river, yeah, but protected by a basket. Yeah, I floated right into Pharaoh's family, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, um, that Pharaoh is, is my grandpa, my Hanai grandpa. Yeah, the same one who wanted to kill all the babies. I mean, can you imagine poor Moses? How would he answer this question? Sounds like a soap opera. Days of our lives move over. His origin story was complicated, and yet... The text invites us to pay attention to it. Even though he doesn't verbally share it with Zipporah and her six sister shepherdesses when they first meet, the text highlights it for us. This is Moses' story. This is his place of pain and of his people's pain. This is a place of promise, God's faithfulness. This is a place of possibility. And you and I, we have origin stories too, even if they're not nearly as dramatic. Right? We have origin stories of adoption, of trauma, of immigration. We have stories of loss and privilege. We have stories of abuse, stories the family doesn't tell anymore. We also have origin stories of hope and of hospitality. We have origin stories of hard work and of dreams coming to life. And usually it takes a lot more than just one conversation to get these origin stories to surface, right? Which is why it's good to pay attention to them. In Jesus' own life, it's not until the second half of his ministry, his public ministry, that he starts to say things like, before Abraham was born, I am. Right? Jesus doesn't say that to the latter part of his ministry. And when he says, I am, he's identifying himself with Yahweh, the I am God, the same God that Moses hears speaking from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, our very next chapter, at Mount Horeb, which is also called Mount Sinai. See, all these threads weaving together. See, Moses, he finds community and formation and eventually revelation at the same mountain that later he will bring God's people to meet God. His origin story became a place of possibility and of promise as it foretold who he would become. But he had to go through the forming process to get there. He, he went through the forming process by finding a community, by a well, by growing deeper, until the day that he could hear God's voice from the burning bush and go back home to live in to his call. And you and I, we seek to go deeper in community too, so we can go further in God's mission. 
This is why we share our ongoing stories. This is why we pay attention to the origin stories when they surface. Not because participating in the life of God as the church is about being an extrovert, because it's really not about being an extrovert. It's because you and I are formed by being in community. We're formed as we share our stories, as we listen well. You and I are formed as we do life together, as we see from the vibrant churches in the book of Acts and beyond. Jesus plays on people's curiosity. He invites people to come and hear their stories and to share their stories. I love when he first calls his disciples and they, they ask him where he's staying. Jesus says, come and see. He invites them to be curious. He invites them to wonder. He invites them to ask questions too. In the book of John, when, when Jesus asks the, invites the disciples to come and see and to follow him, to be part of the fellowship, the fellowship of their community, uh, just a couple verses later, his new disciples do the same thing with others who are asking questions. Um, later on, other people ask questions, and um, I think it's Philip who says the same thing Jesus said just a couple of verses later. He says, come and see. You and I are to imitate this curiosity, this openness to ask each other questions, to share our stories with each other. Even the desert fathers and mothers who retreated from public life um, in the third century to spend time in the wilderness, they did in clusters of community. And the sharing of their stories in their writings still speaks to you and I today. So friends, let's go deeper. Let's draw from the wells of our stories, of God's grace, of God's calling. As we gradually regroup from the shipwreck of normal, let's go ahead and in our ongoing stories, share them. As origin stories surface, let's pay attention to them. There will be pain in our stories, but there will be possibility there too. And throughout it all, the promise of God's grace and goodness running through to form us and to gather us home. So let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for inviting us here at the well to share, to share in your life, to share in life together and be people who are formed by growing community. Lord, as our origin stories surface, as we share our ongoing stories, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be, would be the water of grace that runs us through. That your Holy Spirit would breathe and be that breath of life that sees where there's, yes, pain and also possibility. That sees the deep goodness that you want to work there, that you, you even implanted in us when we were young, the questions we asked, the things and people we loved, and how you want to bring us home to ourselves and to each other and most importantly to you. And we do this because you love not just us, you do, but you love the whole world. You want us to be able to go further in mission together. I thank you, Lord, for each person here, for who they are and how they are. And I pray, Lord, that we would have courageous conversations. We would be curious and kind with each other as we share our ongoing life here now, even in the shipwreck of normal. Surround us with your Holy Spirit as we move forward, as we pick up pieces, as we listen. Ask all these prayers, those spoken and unspoken, in the name of Jesus. Amen.